Welcome to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. My name is Tatiana Fallon, and I'm here with founder Don Milne. Tonight, we are going to highlight some stories that uh, were completed in our Utah project. Uh, all those fallen from World War II have a story in Utah, um, and that was completed in 2020. And so, Don, do you uh, want to kind of introduce the stories we'll be talking about tonight? Yeah, I wanted to share a story of uh, Private First Class Tyndale Lloyd. Now, this uh, story was written by uh, Mac Collar from uh, North Carolina. And uh, we ended up having 2,100 or so stories from Utah that our volunteers worked on. And it's the very first time this has ever been done, that every individual who served from one state and didn't come back from World War II, we now have a short story about them. And in order to do that, we need lots of help. We had more than 120 people who uh, ended up contributing stories to this project. And you can actually go to the Stories Behind the Stars uh, website. So I'd like to uh, today share the story of Private First Class Tyndale Lloyd. Now, he was from Utah, obviously. We're talking about some of the Utah fallen. And uh, he was born on May 20th of 1921 in Salt Lake City. His uh, father's name was uh, Llewellyn. Uh, Tyndale's middle name was Llewellyn, so it was named after his father. His mother's name was Rosalie. Um, he was an only child, no brothers, no sisters. His father was a World War I veteran, worked as a bookkeeper. Later, he was a salesman. His mom was a noted poet and author. You can actually find books that were published nationally that have her uh, poems in them. And she received a number of awards for her work as a poetess. Um, Tyndale grew up in Salt Lake City, went to East High School. Tyndale, he was a sports writer for the editorial department of the Salt Lake Tribune. The Tribune was one of the two main major newspapers in Salt Lake and Utah. Um, he wrote about many outdoors and fishing uh, events. And you can actually go to newspapers.com. You can still find the stories he wrote back uh, as a young reporter in the uh, early 1940s. Um, lots of articles and comments you can find about his service because once he was in the war, um, the staff kind of followed where he was at and made comments about him. Because it's Salt Lake back in the 1940s was still a city, but probably more of a small town feel and everyone kind of knows everybody, especially if you're coworkers and if you've got someone that you've worked with and they're now in the service, you're probably going to be uh, talking about him, writing about him every so often. So um, after World War II started, um, Lloyd, he enlisted in the Marine Corps in September of 1942. So that would have been after the uh, Battle of Guadalcanal started and the Marines, I'm sure, were getting a lot of uh, headlines in the papers across the country. And I guess he decided he wanted to be a Marine. So after his initial training in San Diego, um, he ended up uh, having uh, a story written about him in the Tribune. And they mentioned that Lloyd had never fired a gun before in his life, but he is now an expert with both pistol and rifle. And his dad, Lou Lloyd, is so proud, he's practically delirious. Uh, later, he was transferred to Camp Pendleton for some more training. He ended up being assigned to the 14th Marine Regiment, which was a uh, artillery regiment. 
and it became part of the 4th Marine Division. Um, and he was trained to be a forward observer. So you think the artillery has it easy because they're behind the lines. But if you're a forward observer, you're in with the front line men because you're the one that calls back the coordinates so the artillery can, can put them down. So not the most safe position to be in. Um, he ended up, because he was part of the 4th Marine Division, we know that he served at uh, uh, Kwajalein Atoll in January and February of 1944, and then Saipan during the summer, and then Tinian also that summer. And then the next year in February, he was at Iwo Jima. So pretty involved with what was going on in the Pacific. So the Salt Lake Tribune reported in February of 1944 that Lloyd was with the Marines on Kwajalein. And in a comment that he, he wrote for the Tribune, he said, you folks probably know more about the campaign at the atoll than I do. But fighting is all over now, and we are getting good food and can swim in the Blue Lagoon surrounding the island. So he had a, a Yule time leave, but uh, didn't say too much of what was going on. Um, he, he, they didn't know until later that he was actually involved in that campaign. Um, so that's kind of the way it was if you're at the home. You knew your, your family was in the service, but you really didn't have a lot of details about what they were doing till after the fact. So that summer, as I mentioned before, he ended up being on Saipan and Tinian. So Lloyd was wounded when he was on Saipan. He received the Purple Heart. And there's also a report that he received the Bronze Star for Valor. Don't have details on what he did, but they don't just hand those out like handy. That's obviously something major that he did uh, in bravery that would warrant him getting the Bronze Star. Um, after Saipan and Tinian, the 4th Marine was sent back to uh, Hawaii for more training and preparation. And uh, their next uh, assault was going to be on Iwo Jima. And it happened to be there that on the second day of fighting, Lloyd was mortally wounded because he was an artillery observer. That's probably explained why it happened because he was on the front line. So the 14th Marines ended up losing 51 men on Iwo Jima, and he happened to be one of those. So that was kind of a big loss when the hometown boy that had written stories for the local paper doesn't come home. So when, when he did come home, it made the news again in the Salt Lake Tribune. There were stories about him. Um, some people commissioned a sculpture to create a bust of him that they presented to his, his family. And you got to remember, as I mentioned at the start, this was a family that only had one son and could have had a promising career as a journalist, but it was cut short as he was serving in the Marines and not one major battle, but four major battles. And here in the Bronze Star, two Purple Hearts, good conduct medal, combat action ribbon, the presidential unit citation would have gone to the uh, fourth uh, Marine Division. So his using the division, he would have received that. Private First Class Lloyd is buried at Mount Olivet Cemetery in Salt Lake City. And when our smartphone app is ready, people will be able to go to his cemetery, his gravesite, and right there, pull up this story that was written by Matt Kohler, Matt Kohler and read it. And it'll be a much richer experience. Um, we think it's great that we have stories like this that have been written, but 
we're not satisfied with just having one state in, in Utah having had this done. We actually have volunteers in 15 states right now that are trying to recreate what we did in Utah. And I'm sure they will succeed. It might take a little bit more time as they find the volunteers because Utah is one of the smaller population states. It was easier for us to do 2,100 names. If you're going to do the state of New York, that's 40,000 names. So it's going to be a little bit bigger for the larger states. But we, at this point, we have um, volunteers at 15 states, and they're doing what we did in Utah. They're finding other volunteers to write the stories. And, and we're hoping people, when they hear stories like this, they may be motivated to say, there's got to be more people like this. There's got to be more um, people like Tyndale Lloyd that deserve to have their stories told and easily found when people visit their grave sites. And so that's kind of what we do here at Stories Behind the Stars. And we won't be done till all 400,000 stories are completed. One thing I really love about Tyndale's story is that he was an only child, right? So if he had any relatives, they would have been cousins. You know, they're not going to be um, nieces or nephews or, um, you know, direct descendants or close there too. And so um, it's not very often that people will, you know, branch out of their family history and find the story and tell the story of a distant cousin, you know, like, I mean, people do, and, and that does happen, but um, I think it's really amazing to see how that family sacrifice and that family's like, you know, they didn't have any more children. They didn't have an opportunity to, you know, pass down any of their family traditions or their family heritage or their family, you know, it all ended with world war two, but now in, in 2021, their son is, you know, their family and their son can, can live on, which, I mean, not like we're trying to all be immortal. I don't think that's the goal, but necessarily, but, you know, uh, honoring and, and, and remembering those families who really gave up so much because of, of their willingness to serve, um, especially one that had such a really advanced career already. Yeah, absolutely. Just because someone didn't have any brothers or sisters doesn't mean that they shouldn't be remembered. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So tell um, tell us more about how someone could get involved with other states doing projects. Um, if they go to the Stories Behind the Stars website and they volunteer, um, we'll get them a link that shows which states we have uh, uh, we're working on. So right now, as of when we're recording this uh, podcast, we have uh, the state directors in, I'll go through this alphabetically, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, um, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Missouri, New York, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. So if, if you're in one of those states, we can definitely line you up with a director who can get you some names to work on. And if you're not from one of those states, the reason we have directors in 15 states is I had people contact me and say, well, I saw what you guys did in Utah. I'd like to do it here in our state. So it really is a grassroots effort. People are doing this on a volunteer basis, our directors are doing it on a volunteer basis. 
And we're doing it just because it's something that should have been done, maybe not too much earlier because it wasn't possible a generation ago, but the time is now that we can get this done. So, so let's remember all the stories of the World War II fallen. So if I live in Utah, though, is can I still volunteer and help or like how would that? Yeah, work? yeah, I, I, we still get plenty of people from Utah that are volunteering. And um, because we have three states uh, bordering Utah, then um, those are usually the states that I recommend them to. So either Idaho, Colorado or Arizona. But you may live in Utah, but maybe two generations ago, your family was from Iowa. So maybe you'd want to do, do Iowa names. So. People can kind of pick the names from wherever they want. We've done about 10,000 names, which is a lot, having only been doing this for a little more than a year. But that's still a drop in the bucket when we're probably going to end up with about 420,000 names when we're done. So a lot of work to do. But we think if we can get 2,000 people spending two or three hours a week doing one story per week and we can get this done by the 80th anniversary of the end of World War II, which is September of 2025. And if people start helping us, it's not like you're being drafted and you're going to be here for the full four years. Um, if you want to do it for a little while, that's fine. And, and your life goes on. That's great. Um, we just appreciate every story that is done gets us one story closer to having this project done. So in your experience, do you feel like it's, better to be uh, a, in the state or in the general vicinity of where you're doing your research? Or do you think you can get this research done from any place? It's pretty easy to do it from anywhere in the world. I mean, we do have people from, uh, I think at this point, it's 15 other countries that are helping us besides the United States. And obviously they're not writing about people from their countries if they're helping us with our project. They're writing out people from the United States. So the internet is, makes it super easy. There, there can be a, a case made that if, if you are in a state and you have access to records in a, in a local library that haven't been digitized or put online, that might be an advantage. So if you are in a state that has those records, then you may want to focus on that. Uh, I was recently contacted by an individual from Ohio, who did over 200 names from his home county. So, um, and, and that wasn't a part of our project, but he's basically doing this. Uh, he's been doing it, uh, doing it on his own. He'll going to be adding those stories to our project, so they also can be accessible from our, our smartphone app. But if you're if you're local, you've got that advantage of finding local uh, um, sources that haven't been added online yet. But we're talking generally that we're doing obituary style stories and the information for a basic obituary can be found online most of the time. It may not be as detailed as we'd like. Sometimes we'll have someone do a story and there's just not a lot of information about that. And we'll go with what we have. Um, one of the nice things about this project is we're not putting names in a book that are going to be a hard copy. And once it's printed, then that's the end. This is the kind of project, it's kind of like Wikipedia. Well, thank you so much for telling the story of Tyndall Lloyd. And um, we'll put a link in the description below of his, uh, his story. And uh, you can read more details um, about his life. And 
If this is all interesting to you, um, please consider subscribing to the podcast or follow the podcast um, and uh, check us out at storiesbehindthestars.org and click the volunteer button.